0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table we're we to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnPackers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find LockedOnPackers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, we are doing our off-season report card series with the offensive tackle We will get to tomorrow. We're going to lead the show with this Jimmy Graham discussion Ian Rappaport reporting. The Packers plan to move on from Jimmy Graham. Everyone expected it. It was the worst kept secret uh, among Packer fans and, and around the NFL that the Packers were probably going to move on from Jimmy Graham. There was a lot of people thought he would move on last year. The Packers decided to keep him in a new offense with Matt LaFleur and see if they could make that work. And his best game came in the biggest win of the Packers season. So whether or not he wants to play in 2020, we'll see. His his Instagram post earlier in the year made it seem like he was mulling retirement, so we'll see what happens with that. We're not going to focus on that today. We're going to do an offensive line-centric podcast with our offseason report card series, but I, just, I wanted to make sure that you didn't think I forgot, didn't think that we weren't going to talk about it. We will absolutely talk about it tomorrow. Sometimes we would break these up, but because – The center position is on lock, and I think the two guard positions are on lock. It doesn't really make much sense to talk about those other positions. The question is at offensive tackle, and specifically the future of Brian Bulaga. And and we've had some discussions about Brian Bulaga's future and the, the conversation that Matt Schneidman started over at The Athletic. I almost said report, but it was importantly not a report I want to add some context to all of that, and I'm I'm not going to start with the traditional grading part because Brian Bulaga and David Bakhtiari were, once again, one of the best offensive tackle duos in football. The Packers were the number one offensive line in pass rush win rate, and David Bakhtiari and Brian Bulaga were a huge reason why. Bulaga consistently handled his job on the right side, neutralizing guys like Khalil Mack, Daniel Hunter... Everson Griffin, all of the big-time edge rushers that the Packers faced last year, and none of them really ate anybody up on that offensive line on the edges. Not Bakhtiari, not Bulaga. And in fact, it was Bulaga's injury in the beginning of that 49ers game that set the tone, the first 49ers game, for that matchup. I think what would be more prudent is to discuss a little bit of context around Brian Bulaga's potential departure, and what the Packers' plans could be. First of all, we know that the Packers, or at least it's been reported, um, Brian Bulaga has confirmed that there has been little contact to no contact between the Packers and Bulaga's agent. Bulaga went on Wildy & Tausch, a local radio show in Wisconsin, to say he wants to come back to the Packers, would like to play there, but understands this is a business, and he's been with the team a long time, one of the more tenured players on this football team. That matters to him, and, and I think it matters to the team. Part of this context has to come in light of the Adam Schefter report Jared Valdir would like to play in 2020. This is after retiring. The Packers coaxed him out of retirement, and one of the things Brian Gütikin said in his postseason press conference was, I'm going to check in on Tremon Williams and Jared Valdir. And see if they want to play. And to me, the implication was, if they want to play, then let's see if we can work out a deal. It sounded He made it seem like if Valdir wants to play, or at least I interpreted it as if he wants to play, he's going to come back. This fits with Match Nyman's prediction that Valdir would be retained and Bulaga would be allowed to walk. The CBA, though, is a complicating factor in all of this. John Clayton reported that a lot of contracts with current teams and their players before they hit free agency, which happens in less than two weeks now, or at least the tampering period, which opens on the 16th, that some of those contracts were on hold, those negotiations, specifically because there was so much uncertainty with the new collective bargaining agreement. And as I pointed out on Twitter, The difference between signing, let's say, someone like Corey Littleton or Joe Schobert or Austin Hooper is you're signing those guys to four-year deals and you can spread out the money on those deals. You can say, okay, here's $50 million, but your base salary in 2020 is six. This is what they did with Preston Smith. If you're Brian Bulaga, though, that doesn't really work because he's going to get a two-year deal. And if you give him two years 20, he's getting that money in salary. He is costing you that money on the cap. And even if you give him you know, guarantees that can spread out over the cap, it's still going to cost a lot on your cap this year, potentially less than someone who's getting more money in general in terms of their AAV. And so Corey Littleton could get $13 million a year and cost less on the cap than Brian Bulaga, who's getting 10, specifically because you can't push money out. So a couple things here. I'm not sure it's the case that the Packers are just out on Brian Bulaga. It it could be the case that they're waiting to see what happens with the CBA, and that could dictate, in part, how they approach moving on or not. With Brian Bulaga, I think it would also help give them some clarity on what they can do moving forward. If they can backload some of these contracts, it would make it easier. They could sign three guys at at six million on the cap in 2020 like they did with Preston Smith, Zadaria Smith, Adrian Amos. Those guys had low cap numbers in 2019. They get a lot bigger this year and they get a lot bigger next year. They can do that with Kenny Clark in an extension. They could make his his cap number, you know, four or five million this year. Now, that'd be tough because you'd have to have his base salary be like one with guarantees. But the the point is, is, there's a lot of cap magic that can still be done. Not having a CBA makes this much more difficult to try and prognosticate. And while these things are on hold, okay, We're getting these drips and drabs of information. Corey Littleton, number one priority, says Bill Huber. Austin Hooper, the primary pass-catching target in free agency, says Rob Domofsky. And we're getting these little pieces of information coming out, breadcrumbs, that, oh, the Packers are willing to spend money. And if they're willing to spend money – Is it possible that a notoriously tight-lipped organization is negotiating through the media, telling Brian Bulaga, look, we only have so much money to spend. We intend to spend it. It can either be on you or it could not be. And it is important to compare the stance that Bulaga took. Someone like Blake Martinez stood at his locker when the Packers lost to the 49ers and seemed to understand it was over for him. Brian Bulaga is not in that position. He went on local radio this week to say, I want to be a Packer. I'd like to stay with the team. Now, is that because the team wants to move on? Or is it because decisions have not been made? I personally do not think any decisions about the future of Brian Bulaga have been made at 1265 Lombardi Avenue. I don't think they've decided. They're just done. This is. I don't think this is a Micah Hyde situation where they've said, it doesn't matter the number or a Jordy Nelson situation. It doesn't matter if you're willing to take a pay cut. We're not interested. Because they are interested at Jared Valdir, apparently, and he's still going to cost a couple million dollars. He's older. He's not as good a player. And you're still probably going to have to give him a one, probably a two-year deal to get him to come back. So why not get a two-year deal to Brian Bulaga? The difference in money, yeah, it's going to be some, could be 4 or $5 million next year. But when you're talking about a 31-year-old player who last year was a Pro Bowl caliber guy, that's money spent in a, in a reasonable and valuable way. Quibbling over something like that just doesn't make any sense. If you're willing to pay a couple million dollars for a veteran, a guy who was retired this time last year and who you know was was kind of getting passed around the league at the end of his career, not someone who everyone agreed was a top-flight offensive tackle, he wasn't. Brian Bulaga was last year, and they like Valdir, and he played well in that playoff game against the Seahawks. But is he going to play 16 games? at 33 someone who, you know, wasn't even positive he wanted to keep playing football. That's a pretty big risk to take and I don't think that that makes sense as option A. And it could be as simple as the CBA has everyone in a holding pattern. We haven't heard any news on the Kenny Clark negotiations. We haven't he- heard any news on a lot of negotiations with players in part because we don't know what the CBA looks like. You'd think some of this Dallas stuff would have gotten figured out by now, that Jerry Jones would have paid somebody, would have, would have handed out some kind of contracts before everyone hits the open market. It doesn't make sense to let these guys hit the open market, and yet we're headed in that direction. And it feels like the CBA is a major driving force. So I don't think yet it is panic time. It sounds like Brian Bulaga wants to be back. And if that's true, it still makes sense for the Packers to try and see if they can work that out. This does feel like a little bit of negotiating through the media. Leak, hey, Corey Littleton's our guy. Hey, uh, Austin Hooper, we're going to give him $11 million and sign a guy who's older than you for a couple million dollars less and maybe go draft somebody. Is that what you want? Because if it's not, then make it $8 million a year instead of $10 million a year, and everyone will be happy. I mean, it could be that simple. And I, I would still not be surprised if a deal gets done at some point, whether it's before free agency or after, that brings back Brian Bulaga. So there are some options in free agency, but I want to finish with that rather than start with it because I think the draft offers a little bit more intrigue and a little bit more um, fun to talk about topics because this is a class that the more I watch, the more I really, really like it. There are two players I think are bang on top 10 picks, Andrew Thomas and Jedrick Wills. Andrew Thomas is not a player who is a lock to go in the top 20, top 25. And I think he should, but I'm not I'm not convinced he is. It seems like the momentum for guys like Tristan Wirfs and Makai Becton is much greater. They're much more likely to go. We, we could be talking about someone like Andrew Thomas. I saw him in a mock draft the other day. He went 28th, 29th, right in the range for the Packers. And he is someone who c- could come in day one and be your starting right tackle, if they needed him to be. I still don't think that is plan A, B, or even C. But even if you're going to re-sign whoever, no matter who you sign, this is why I wanted to start with the draft players, no matter who you sign, it's on a one- or a two-year deal in all likelihood. Brian Bulaga says he wants to play four more years. Maybe he's willing to sign a contract, a four-year contract, that's really a two-year contract. You can spread the money out. And the Packers can get out of it in two years with you know a little bit of money left on the table. That makes sense to me, by the way. We'll see if it makes sense to the Packers. But so, no matter who they sign, because I do think they're going to sign a veteran of some kind, whether it's Veldier or Bulaga, you need a long-term answer. And this is a team, we've talked about it a hundred times on this show, they like to build from the line of scrimmage out. So if they're going to take an offensive lineman, Early in this draft. And one of the things we discussed on the show yesterday was free agency. Signing a linebacker and signing a pass catcher would allow you to do that earlier. Because you don't have to worry about hitting in the thinner position groups in this draft. Which is particularly linebacker. And there is a little bit more of a drop off at receiver. But if you get your linebacker and your pass catcher now. Offensive line can be on your radar in the first round. If you want it to be. Thomas. Wills, Tristan Wirfs, and Makai Becton are probably all going to be off the board when the Packers pick at 30. And that leaves two players that I absolutely love. And I was I was nervous about one of them because he tested really well at the combine and I knew he'd get some buzz and some momentum. And all of a sudden he's being talked about as a borderline first round pick. And I was just not sure. And I'm I'm always dubious of that. And I know fans are too. Whenever I even mention a guy who was great at the Combine, their assumption is that it's because he had a great Combine. And I get tweets like, no more, I don't want any workout warriors, and I don't trust that stuff. And I understand that, but here's the thing. Good players can test well. A lot of good players do test well. The Packers draft ca- class last year tested well. Elton Jenkins had a really good relative athlete score. Darnell Savage, J.R. Alexander, those guys We're really athletic and tested really well. So you can't just say, oh, well, no. Athleticism is important. It matters. And there's a reason that the Packers prioritize it because it matters. Because good players tend to be athletic because in order to be a good player in the NFL, you need to be athletic. So the two players who I would love for Green Bay at 30, Josh Jones from Houston, who we talked a little bit about yesterday, and Ezra cleveland from Boise State. Cleveland was the guy who went out and blew up the combine. And that made me, I wouldn't say it made me nervous because it made me intrigued for sure. I was like, who is this guy? What's the deal? Is he really that good? When you go out and you're 6'6, 311, doesn't have long arms, has small hands. Here's the thing I do not care. He ran 4'9'3. At 6'6", that's in the 96th percentile for offensive linemen. His three-cone was in the 98th percentile, 20-yard shuttle in the 94th percentile, broad jump in the 90th percentile. This is an outstanding, outstanding athlete. And on his mock-draftable spiderweb chart, his comparable guys, Joe Thune, Mitch Morse, Brian O'Neal, Ali Marpet, Taylor Luan, Chris Lindstrom. Some really good players. I think he could play guard or tackle. I think he's a tackle. He can play tackle. He could play right tackle tomorrow. And both he and Josh Jones are excellent in pass protection. They're the kinds of players who could come out and you could, you could play them at left tackle if you needed them to, if David Bakhtiari misses a game or misses some snaps but are potentially long-term solutions at right tackle. Those, those delineations between left tackle and right tackle are outdated because teams play so much spread, they play so much in shotgun, they play so much uncovered where there is no tight end that the difference between left and right tackle is really just the quarterback's vision. You still want your better pass protector on the left side if you have a right-handed quarterback because that's the quarterback's blind side, and that still matters, but you need pass rushers on both sides. And as a result, you need offensive linemen on both sides. Teams are not just saying, okay, we're gonna we're gonna line up our best pass rusher on the quarterback's blind side anymore. They're gonna rush from all directions, from everywhere. They're they're gonna play a little basketball, they're gonna find the mismatch, and they're gonna put their best pass rusher on your worst offensive tackle. So if your right tackle can't pass protect, guess what? Nick Bosa is coming over and paying that guy a visit. Khalil Mack is gonna wear that dude out. You better have two guys who can protect. Josh Jones and Ezra Cleveland are those guys, both big frames. Josh Jones, 6'7", 3'10", from Houston, and did not give up a sack in two years. One of the other things I loved about Ezra Cleveland, didn't hold. You know, Greg Robinson, one of the reasons why I was really worried about him in the NFL and making a transition from Auburn. He was a a draft darling. People were like, I might take him over to Davion Clowney. I'll take him over Khalil Mack. That's serious. You can look it up. People said that. And I kept saying, you guys see that he holds a lot, right? Like in pass protection, all he does is hold. And that's going to get called in the NFL. You cannot do that. And I know he's a road grading run blocker, and that's great, but it's run blocking. You have to be able to pass protect to be a good offensive lineman in the NFL. And if you can't do it without holding, you're boned. Well, these two guys can do it. And they're experienced multi-year starters, guys with athletic upside and potential to get better and already have the polish you look for in pass protection. So at 30, if they're there, I have Josh Jones 16th right now in terms of overall prospects and Ezra Cleveland 23rd. So they're, they're, they would give you plus value at 30. Now, there are a couple other guys that could be on the Packers' radar in, in day two. I think in the if, if they sign Veldir especially, there are some guys day two, you're probably looking in the second round, that they could be into. Prince Tego someone we've talked about on this podcast from Auburn, a, a guy I really like. I think he's a right tackle all day. And, and could be if the Packers needed him to be a starter. And then Isaiah Wilson, who played opposite Andrew Thomas, is another really good player, day two type guy. There are good options in this draft. It is extremely top-heavy, but only in the way that the top guys are really, really, really good. I mean, there could be three or four guys who go in the top 12, and that's really good. But then these second-tier guys, for me, you know, Josh Jones is is as good or close to as good as Tristan Wirfs, in my opinion, and Ezra Cleveland is is not far behind. So if if they were to fall because, let's say, the receivers come through in a big way, or you know, a bunch of a bunch of quarterbacks start going off the board, and that creates this weird chain reaction or whatever it is, there are a lot of machinations that the draft can throw at a team, and so. When you have a couple guys, a couple good options in both the first and the second round, that puts you in really good position. The two deepest positions in this draft, well, let's say three because I think corner is pretty deep too. Corner, receiver, and offensive tackle. Three premium positions, and there are a lot of really good players there. They could go first, second, third. That could be green Bay selections. would not surprise me at all if that was the plan. There are really good options in the draft, and if the Packers are thinking about long-term, Someone like Veldier in twenty twenty is is a suitable option, especially if you're using the the other money on Littleton and Hooper or even Kwiatkowski and or Schobert and Hooper, and you're getting a, a an above average offensive lineman for that season, and you're and you're drafting one of these guys who could start in 2021. That's a plan that works. That's a plan that makes sense. And these guys, you know, really truly could be better than Brian Bulaga by 2021 no guarantee of course i mean we're talking about less than 50 50 they're they're useful players but they have the talent to be that and whenever i can i like to bank on talent matt williamson brings the scouts perspective to the locked on nfl podcast we got to talk 2018 quarterbacks josh allen has the best quarterback record aside from lamar jackson but the lowest But his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. So in terms of free agent options, there's Jack Conklin. He's He's probably the top of the list for a lot of teams. He's 26 years old, had a really good rookie season. Has not really matched it, though, and he's going to get $15 or something crazy on the open market. I see a lot of fans talking about, oh, you know, let's go get Jack Conklin. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be cheap. Uh, Andrew Whitworth is probably going back to L.A., 38 years old. Uh, He's going to get a lot of money. Anthony Costanzo, I think everyone assumes he's going back to Indianapolis. There's no deal in place yet, but it sounds like he's going to be back. After that, it's a whole lot of just guys. I mean, Brian Bulaga is is the next best player. I've heard some some fans say, oh, Daryl Williams from Carolina. Why? Cameron Irving, George Fant, Mike Remmers. I mean, it's a lot of really bad options, frankly. And they're not going to trade for Trent Williams, who then wants a top-of-market offensive line contract, top-of-market tackle contract, which is top-of-market offensive line contract. So, if they're going to go the veteran route, you have to think it's either Bulaga or Valdir. It doesn't make any sense to go somewhere else. There's just not value there, in my opinion. So either pay up for, for Brian Bulaga or pay for the short-term fix in Valdir, draft someone and go from there. And, and again, either way, you have to draft someone. So, I mean, that's, just, that's where the Packers are. I think we haven't talked enough about the offensive line draft, and so that's why I was glad to have this opportunity to do it. We'll get a lot more in-depth as we get closer to the draft. I'll spend a whole show just talking about draft guys because there are a lot of names that you need to know, a lot of potential options for the Packers. So we'll get all of that stuff worked out as we get toward April and the draft. All right, tomorrow – Jimmy Graham, we'll get that discussion going to open the show and then take a bunch of your questions. This is not going to be live, not going to be Periscope, but still, you know, look for the podcast to drop in that same sort of time zone four Central, maybe a little earlier uh, for our uh, international friends to listen to before bed, maybe. Got a message from Scotland the other day saying, hey, thanks for getting the podcast out in time for my morning commute. 8.30 in the morning, Scotland time. It's out. So look forward early, people. It's there. It's there when you need it. If you, if you work some sort of crazy graveyard shift or something, you're coming home off work at a crazy time, check out. It might be, it might be on your Spotify, might be on your iTunes. Wherever you find podcasts, go subscribe. Rate us, leave us a review on iTunes. Wherever you listen to, though, make sure you're subscribed and let other people know about Locked On Packers. We're not gonna have anybody make a friend or tell a friend or anything like that today, but but you know, spread the word a little bit. Let other people know that you like the show. That would be great. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920 341 3775 to stay locked on Packers.